0: Now, it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Gina LaRoche, half of the partnership with Jennifer Cohen of Seven Stones Leadership Group. Gina and Jen are also co-authors of The Seven Laws of Enough, Cultivating a Life of Sustainable Abundance. There is everything about this that is such common sense. And coming at this holiday season is both great food for thought and a very practical gift for many special persons. A gift that will be present in its practice, really, for a lifetime, for the individual, for our community, and for our planet. But let's just meet Gina and learn from her insights. Gina LaRoche, good morning and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for having me. It's just absolutely wonderful uh to have you with us, the the timing of our conversation of this book, the Seven Laws of Enough, cultivating a life of sustainable abundance, couldn't be more appropriate. Of course, it could be any time of the year, but I, you know, here as we wind up one year, looking forward to a new year, thinking of all that we do in terms of the holidays and celebrating, and the the feelings that we have associated all around this. I feel that the Seven Laws of Enough is uh, perfectly timed for us.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yes, we, um, we have a message around generosity and gratitude, but we also talk a lot about completion, uh, celebration, and um, really looking at all of our lives, not just the good, but also um, the losses and the downsides of life. So yes, we it is good timing. Thank you.
0: And would you say then that's really the essence, the overview of the book, The Seven Laws of Enough?
1: I think the short answer is the book really is a dec- is a a, a a declaration to for all of us to say that we do enough, we have enough and we are enough regardless of what we read in the paper or see on Instagram or hear on the news. Um, there's uh, really no need to uh, push our lives toward um, more, more, more. And we can find a place to rest in the present moment and be enough of now. So I think that's the overall message of the book.
0: And certainly, the messages that we are bombarded with and you mentioned so many of the ways it happens now. And I think perhaps in the last, uh, decade, decade plus it's increased because of all the social media that we have, that we have maybe been, uh, totally overwhelmed by this feeling of lack or not being enough.
1: Yeah, I think there's uh, a couple things there. First of all, um, social media shows a curated life. And in the old days, the only place we saw anything curated was at the museum. Um, And there's this distance between um, us and another through the computer and through the internet. And that distance not only has allowed us to be really cruel to each other, but it also has, um, when I see, um, someone posts something fabulous um, and I'm not with them to hear the struggle or um, the work that they had to go through to get there, that drops away. And all I'm left with is this sense of um, comparison and competition. And those are weapons of scarcity. We call those weapons of scarcity.
0: And in the book, we certainly get um, a, a good guide, I feel, it, to all of these lessons of feeling that sense of scarcity, naming it as such of if someone is not really even thinking in that vein, feeling that uh, what is posted there in on social media, what is posted in, in, uh, or shown in commercials, uh, whether it be on TV, whether it be in magazines, that that is what we need and we end up really just not trusting anything within ourselves.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yes. We, um, there's this, or, or lack of, of knowing, um, our own mind. I think that's, Uh, uh, I'd say it that way too. You know, you reminded me when my children were small, we really restricted their television. Um, but they loved to watch, um, their, uh, football and baseball teams and so we would watch games together and whenever a commercial would come on um i would say uh they would say oh we need x and i would say we already have it or we don't need it so if a car commercial came on and they go oh that's such a cool car mom i'd say well we already have a car oh yeah you're right we already have a car you know or some other um commercial came on for something, I'd say, well, we don't need, we don't need that. And they're like, oh yeah, right. We don't actually need that. And I started training them at an early age to interact with media coming toward them in a way that they could develop their own sense of their needs. It's not to say we don't own cars or I don't live in a house or, you know, I don't live in a yurt somewhere, but it allows me to control my own needs and my and and um and get them at my pace.
0: And how wonderful for your children to have a wise mother guiding them through this. <laughs> Even you know, of course, we're all on a path. We're all in the process of growing and learning. But still, you were exposing this uh, them to this at such a young age.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have several stories. One, um, one time, my son—he was in middle school by this time. We were on the train platform waiting for the uh, train to arrive, and there was a soda machine, and the soda uh, was I don't know, maybe a dollar fifty. And my son was just playing around, and he reached in, and someone had left uh, seventy-five cents in the soda machine. And before before he found the seventy-five cents, my son wasn't even really paying attention that there was a soda machine, or he wanted soda, but he was just you know fiddling around. so As soon as he got the 75 cents, he kept saying to me, I need 75 cents. I need a soda. I need a soda. I need a soda. And I just looked at him and I said, honey, why aren't you grateful that you now have 75 more cents than you had two minutes ago? All he saw was the lack of 75 cents to get the soda he didn't even need. And I think that is a, a, a story for all of us. It is just, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, it is a story for all of us and, and I was thinking in terms of you know, that is so concrete what happens in that moment, but this is something and in the book you guide us through it that has been going on for essentially millennia.
1: Yes, yeah, yes. I mean we so first of all <clears throat> we are you know, biological creatures and the mind and the brain is is really to see Scan for what is wrong, danger, right? Because that's what kept us alive. If there's a woolly mammoth coming across the tundra, I want to I wanna notice the, the, um, what, that it's coming and protect myself. So the brain is designed to do that. However, we've moved into um, homes and apartments and yurts <laughs> and dress up a little nicer and uh, stand upright and go to work. And we believe uh, in, in, a, in our brains, nothing has changed. And when our boss comes in or the commercial comes on to tell us we need this, or the boss comes in to tell us that the project is changing, the mind still thinks it's in danger and reacts. And so we need to interrupt that machinery for this moment to pause and really look at the truth of the current moment. And that's what the seven laws plus uh, the practices in the book really help guide us to cross over from this scarcity mindset, which really is a biological, really imperative of the past into this life of sustainable abundance that we can create self-author, if you will, in this moment.
0: That is so freeing, liberating for us to have this awareness, and it's not a new concept, certainly. But uh, the it's so necessary to to have this, and I think that you and your co-founder of uh, Seven Stones Leadership Group, uh, Jennifer Cohen, and also co-author of the book "The Seven Laws of Enough," together you have put this together in in i guess like a new fashion for us to really be able to grapple with it and understand where we fall in this whole continuum
1: exactly we we you know this is our journey and our story and what and the practices that we have tried and used ourselves but our hope our our profound hope is that you see your own scarcity story that you Um, see the stories that shape you, make your own declarations around what is enough, what I call finding your enough line, that you discover your own belonging and um, really create the path through joy and love um, for yourself. And the practices in the book might help you, but developing and cultivating your own practices would bring us much joy. And if you did cultivate your own practices, we would love to hear about it. So you could reach out and let us know. And some of the practices in the book are our clients inventing their own uh, way through and letting us write about it in the book.
0: And there it is. You're practicing what it is that you're experiencing and wanting to share with the world is that we all have an answer, to contribute we're all in this together rather than an us and them and and having to vie for some sort of uh in some sort of power play
1: yeah no we're all interconnected um you know all the philosophers have written about it martha luther king talks about it um we are interconnected the uh cereal you had for breakfast was grown uh someplace uh Harvested, manufactured, bagged, packed, shipped, put in a grocery store, put on a shelf. You then drove a car or took the train to the store that someone else built uh, for you to go down aisles that someone cleans for you to pick up that box of cereal. Then that you take to a human to check out to return home. And then I didn't even talk about the milk. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we are interconnected, and and I think we forget that. I think when we devolve into this conversation about red states and blue states or this versus that, um, urban versus rural, uh, Christian versus non-Christian, I think it has us forget that we are all interconnected. And I think that it's causing us suffering right now, not only in the United States, but throughout
0: the world. Definitely. I think we can see it in its various forms throughout the world, and it is so painful, especially when we know it doesn't have to be, that we're, we've, we've gone off on a tangent to but it takes us to become, to wake up and become aware and to practice because as we do this, as you did with your children, we are then leading or sharing with others so we can have that kind of a transformation go on.
1: Absolutely. That transformation is available to all of us, regardless of the stories we've told ourselves about our mental condition, our race, our religion. What it's like to be a Muslim in a nation of Christians—we, that transformation is available, but but we got to work for it, so to speak. We need to really look at the internal dialogue, that noise that's in our head. I call it clutter that's in our head, and to really push that mental clutter. Not really, I don't, want, I don't want to say push, i going to take it back. We want to notice that mental clutter, notice the, the grip it has on us and uh, note it for what it is and return to my inner self, whether it's a, a sense of love or joy or compassion, whatever it is for you. And just keep returning to this moment, this breath this feeling of connection. Uh, and that
0: really is the key
1: to transformation.
0: And so it, it isn't necessarily easy, but then again, there is a certain ease to it when we are willing to let go of those other stories that, which is part of law number one, the stories that we listen to that we've been told that we tell ourselves, uh, when we have that awareness, there there is a certain amount of what freedom, I guess, that comes with it, doesn't it, Gina?
1: Yes, I mean we we like to joke that it's simple but not easy. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes, I mean one of the one of the really organizing stories of my life is um, growing up as a, a black person in in America, um, particularly living in mostly predominantly white communities. I had a lot of stories about being separate and alone, um, not belonging. Um, I, you know, I had a lot of messages in the house about, you know, having everything look good because we want everyone to think we were, you know, a great family and the messages outside the house of you're different. Who are you? I don't like you, you know, to, to, to deep hatred, you know, some from trepidation to deep hatred. And, and it really took me, Um, becoming an adult and diving into this conversation around scarcity and the stories of what it means to be black in America uh, that I saw on television. I saw on the news that I experienced myself was holding me, I don't holding me in a way that, that was causing me to suffer and uh, through really a lot of work, a lot of meditation, prayer, um, conversation, I actually have written about it with a couple of my academic sisters. Um, I, I found a place to let go. And it's not to say that I don't experience racism to this day, but he, he, here's my joke, which is true. When things used to happen to me, the first thought I would have, it was, was because I'm black. And now it's the last thought I have. So it still <laughs> arises, but it doesn't have me so gripped. And
0: um, yeah, it just doesn't have me so
1: gripped anymore.
0: That is also so powerful for you to share that with us to see where where we also have similar kinds of stories. And Making that progression from something that's going to be have a lot of power over us to kind of moving down toward the outside of that scale is is certainly a, you know great progression.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if, Jen, if Jennifer were here, if Jen were here, my co-author, she would she has a very similar experience of being Jewish, and she would share what that was like for her as a child and people being really cruel to her and putting swastikas on her notebook and. And her journey from, like, being a Jew is dangerous to um, coming, to her, working her way around to a settledness. And, you know, um, mass shootings in synagogues are still happening. So it's not like it's gone. Um, and it's not like that wasn't perturbing, not just for her, for me and for all of us. Uh, and there's a place to rest. Um, at the same time with this work.
0: And that does come up as one of the laws that it's important to have rest. So talk with us a bit about that. I know that's probably one of my larger challenges in terms Ah. of time and things that I do and feel needs to get done.
1: Well, our new addiction is busyness. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I was thinking... Over the weekend, like there are people I want to have dinner with, and yet I haven't taken the time to, I'm so busy that I don't have the time to find the time to have the dinner. And it's ridiculous. I find it utterly ridiculous. Um, And in the book, we talk about rest, not from a place of sitting in front of the, the couch drinking your glass of wine, eating popcorn, watching Scandal. And then we're not against that, but that's not the type of rest we're talking about. We're talking about resting of the nervous system um, so, and, and building up the parasympathetic nervous system so it can rest. Inside of rest is when we digest, when we process information, when we, uh, process what we've learned, what we are learning. Uh, and we're talking in, and, and, uh, the activities that are scientifically proven to stimulate the positive emotional attractors and to, uh, kick up, get the um, parasympathetic nervous system, uh, in flow is meditation, any kind of meditation, um, Yoga, gentle, restorative yoga, non-combative martial arts, uh, prayer, specifically prayer to a loving God. And then there's things like you'd be surprised, like petting a cat or a dog, petting a a rabbit, petting something with fur that you would pet. Um, So uh, being hopeful about the future. So those are the activities that cause I'll call it biological rest and we offer many opportunities throughout the book not even just in that chapter uh, teaching uh, mindfulness practice body scan loving kindness practice uh, and offering an opportunity to move the body uh, and using actually declaration that that second law I am enough is a uh, profound declaration that can be hopeful about the future. All of that, this book is designed to rest, have you rest. We we actually even the even the book cover and the holding of the book is designed that as soon as you touch it, something shifts in you.
0: It is interesting. Yes, the quality of the the paper. It has this. Uh... Real soft, gentle, almost like a uh, a suede feel to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: It's quite lovely. And of course, what's within the contents of the cover is critically important and so soothing to ourselves to give us this hope for what really life, our purpose here, is all about. And, and if there's a question about that, I... Your website is a, a great place to go, I feel, because you, you have a survey where we can very quickly kind of see just uh, where we stand and, and perhaps uh, have that awareness of our thinking and, and where we can start uh, doing a little bit of work on ourselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Jen and I love to extend this work out as best we can. The website is Seven Stones Leadership where we do have the scarcity assessment. Also on the website, you'll find we have this introductory online course called Embracing Sustainable Abundance, where it has a lot of meditations and videos of Jen and me talking about these principles. Um, and then every day on Instagram, we post a, a, a really a morning meditation. And then we also have a Facebook group because we want uh, a community to form Uh, not around us, but with each other uh, who are on this journey and are curious and have questions and know that there's others with you. So those are all available.
0: And this is where using social media has such a positive kind of construct to it because we're able to connect in such a way to support and encourage each other's growth rather than be in a place like, oh, well, I must have, this is a different kind of ought to have, but rather than having more more cars, more things, which uh, may bring that momentary happiness, but when we look at it, there's no sustainability to it.
1: Exactly. I mean, social media, I always say we can use it for good or we could use it for ill will. And we do, um, it's a great tool to learn uh, new things and be inspired by people, and we, all, and we try to do that ourselves. And, you know, one of my children who is in college right now, he uh, took all of his social media off his phone, and um, while he's in school, he doesn't look at any social media because he saw that it was causing him to be unhappy. So, again, it's, everyone will find their own journey to enoughness, And it might be taking social media off your phone, but it also, or it might be reaching out to the institutions, people, groups, communities that are supportive and loving.
0: And that awareness is so much a part of this to become aware of where, how we are making choices. Are we making them or are they being made for us and we think they're our own?
1: Exactly. Um, Kate, I was wondering, I have a offering for your listeners for, uh, the holidays or with family and sometimes conversations can go awry. So I have three inquiry questions that I have that can help at big dinners if you would like to hear them.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yes. So this is what my family ask each other every year on their birthday, but it's a great questions to ask at the end of the year too. the first question is what are the highlights of the past year the second question is what are the lessons learned and the third is hopes and dreams for the year ahead
0: that is so perfect and a great way to be constructive and uh, learn more about each other and a way to share the stories of the of what's going on now
1: exactly and to share it from a personal place and not from a place of separation and it's not the stories driven by the media it's the stories driven by our own
0: enoughness precisely and certainly. As we've touched on, the world is in such need of our having this sense of enoughness, if not for peace right now, but just for the sustainability so the world is able to go on so our our children and their children have as great or even better a world to live in, that they have the planet to sustain them.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the world is on fire right now. And if we do not find a place of enoughness for ourselves personally and collectively, this planet will not, let's put it this way, there'll be deep suffering for the humans who come for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. I feel, Jen, and I feel like this is an imperative conversation for us to embrace in this moment. Because as we saw from the climate reports, we are at the brink of devastation.
0: And we can see that going on uh, all around us and uh, only intensifying. So really, we're at that precipice, aren't we?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's a statistic that we saw. I don't remember where I saw it. um, But... Uh, we've gained a thousand square feet foot footage in our homes and on average we've lost five friends. And I always, I thought that was a really interesting statistic that, um, and I think that needs to change. I'd love for us to turn outward for you to meet your next door neighbor or the neighbor across the street for you to talk to that person you're waiting for the bus with or sit next to you on the subway. Uh, Even talk to the panhandler that you walk past, say hello, because you are interconnected, even when it doesn't seem like we are.
0: To know that this is all about you and me.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: We're not in competition, right? No, no. no.
1: There's yeah, there's plenty. There's like somehow we think that uh, if you buy your dream house that somehow my dream house is taken off the table,
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> or it, right? Or if you got a promotion, somehow my promotion will go away, gets flushed down the toilet, and it's just not that at all. We can have joy for those around us, and it just doesn't work like it's either or. It's a both and.
0: Yes. So again, it couldn't be more timely to have this book this conversation, the book, The Seven Laws of Enough, Cultivating a Life of Sustainable Abundance. And I can't say enough about how grateful I am to you, Gina LaRoche, and your co-author, Jennifer Cohen, for writing this book, bringing it to us, and really uh, enhancing our waking up today.
1: Kate, on behalf of Jen and myself, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for Really taking this time to unpack this conversation and give it the air it deserves, we really appreciate it.
0: well, it's been my honor to do so, and uh, with you, have the hope and the belief that uh, we're going to embrace the message and go forward together.
1: Mm, thank you. you have my word on it well you're you're in our tribe now, Kate. Excellent.
0: And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of inspirational women with Gina LaRoche and Sunday Morning Magazine with Captain Lisa Barnes and Hannah Kubiak. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed your information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Click on the internet tab, then Sunday mornings, and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of finding the joy in the day for the season for life Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Seattle's Christmas Station, the new warm 106.9.